Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of the Triple Threat Theater Podcast. This is episode number 15, and my name is Ryan Miller. And I am Joe Daxberger. Welcome back, Joe. Oh, thank you, Ryan. (laughs) Pleasure to be back. (laughs) So this episode, the theme is Art of the Sword. Oh, interesting. What could that ever mean? Well, let me answer that question with a question. Oh, yes. Dax, how how do you feel about anime? Ooh, Milzy, great question. Uh, I'm a fan. I would say I'm not I'm, I'm not quite super fan. I enjoy a lot of anime. I was a lot more into it when I was younger, like most people. I feel like, mm-hmm. at least like in our in our circles. Uh, going back to like high school, once I started like taking the train into Boston, uh, one of like the main spots we would go to, like me, Joel, Tony, and friends of the show would head to Harvard Square. And there was this one building called the garage, which was like a two floor Kind of like, not quite a mall, because it wasn't that big. It was more just like... Uh, I've been to this place. There's a Newberry Comics in there, right? Yes. Yes, we've taken you there. Yeah, it's actually like a parking garage that they turned into like a shopping center, right? Yeah. Like a it, mall, it, like an indoor mall thing? Yeah, when when you look at it, when you're inside, like there's a ramp kind of, but... Yeah, it's like the old ramp that you would drive up with the cars, but like you can walk up it now to like right. the different floors, right? Right. So, it's an interesting place. Very. And I couldn't tell you what made us go there the first time if something we heard about or if it was because there was a Newberry Comics in there. Like, you know, we were like big Newberry Comics kids. Like, I used to go to Newberry Comics weekly, if not like multiple times a week just because it was all the stuff we were into. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in the garage, Newberry Comics, and then on that same floor, like across the way, was a store called Tokyo Kid, oh. which... When we were like teenagers was awesome pre-internet, so it was just like the store that was all anime movies, manga books, uh toy statues, like video game stuff, everything. It was a way cool store. It's not there anymore. I think it it's been gone for a while, but there's a store that's kinda similar with a different name, but it's not not quite the same, but so yeah, like in those travels, we used to just go to Tokyo Kid, and I'd eventually get around to start to buy, you know, some anime here and there and check some stuff out. Uh, I had another, I think when I was, I want to say a junior, maybe even a senior, was when the first time I saw Akira. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Mike, that we're all friends with, I remember he sh- he owned it, showed it to me once, and that was kind of like most people were just blown away. By this yeah you know it's and it's out there it's you know it's not normal storytelling we're used to but 
man, I was pretty much hooked at that point. So that was a big one for me, of course. I really liked, you know, the uh, Capcom game, Darkstalkers. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with that. That yep. had a, it was almost like an anime mini series that I was kind of into. I think that was like, but this is back going to VHS. So I remember I had like, I think four VHS tapes for that. It got to the point where like we were buying like we were all three of us were into anime, so we were just kind of like buying stuff sight unseen just to check out mm-hmm. what was out there. Um, I really liked uh, Bumble Bubblegum Crisis. That was uh-huh. one I was into. Um, you know, then you started to get into like the Studio Ghibli stuff, Princess Mononoke, and you know Howl's Moving Castle, all those. So I don't I. Back to your question, I wouldn't say I'm the most well-versed, but certainly a fan. There's plenty of stuff out there I need to see, mm-hmm. but there's a, I mean, if someone were to rattle them off, I'd probably say I've seen most of like the quote-unquote classic stuff Yeah, for, you know, for us. I, uh, <clears throat> I, kinda, I got into it in high school a little bit. I was never like the biggest anime guy, um, but like at some point in high school around like you know, sophomore, junior year, I made like a whole bunch of new friends that would be like my best friends through the end of high school. Mm -hmm. And these people were like all into anime. And, um, so I feel like some of the first stuff I probably saw was like some Dragon Ball Z and whatnot. I mean, I didn't have cable growing up, um, honestly until like probably after high school. Um, so I couldn't just like watch that stuff on TV or whatever, but people would lend me like their tapes of it or whatever. And, uh, you know, at some point in there I saw Akira as well. And, um, I definitely was personally geared more towards the sci-fi stuff like that and ghost in the shell and apple seed than mm-hmm. more of like the fantasy dragon ball type of stuff. But, um, yep. you know, it's just through the course of those couple last years of high school saw, you know, stuff like, um, the ones I already mentioned and then things like Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D and all these things that I feel like are the ones everybody saw around that time. Right. All the stuff being put out by manga entertainment. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They're a big one. Yeah. Or the big one even. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, I'll catch something here and there like, um, uh, God, what was the one that just came out like last year or the year before? Um, Your Name. Yeah, your name. Like, whenever there's a kind of a big one like that, I'll check it out. Um, and here and there, there's other shows and things that I would like to check out, but uh, just don't make a ton of time for it yeah. anymore. Same here. But um, yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where, in a perfect world, if I had like unlimited time, I would love to just like devote like a month to just like watching a bunch of mm. anime that I feel like I should have. And then when you get into the series, it's a whole other story, like the TV shows, because um, you got short and sweet stuff like Cowboy Bebop or uh, Samurai Champloo, right? Um, or even one of my favorites, which is the original anime adaptation of Berserk. But then, you know, there's other series like Dragon Ball or you know One Piece yeah. or whatever that I hear a lot of good stuff about, and I'd be interested in. But they're just like hours upon hours upon sure. days of like episodes and seasons of them. And oh yeah. I mean, there's some, like, I, it took me a while before I got into, like, Bebop, like, Joel and Tony are big Cowboy Bebop fans. Mm-hmm. So I got into that after the fact, um, as far as, like, the TV stuff. Uh, Evangelion was one I watched. Mm-hmm. My same buddy, Mike, 
that got me into Akira was big onto Evangelion, so I watched that with him. Even like Gundam, like I haven't seen mm-hmm. a whole lot of it. I watched a bunch of the like Endless Waltz era stuff with my buddy James in high school. Um, and I'm a big fan of the 8th MS Team series, which was right. only like, you know, 12 or 14 episodes or something like that. Yeah. But there's like so much Gundam out there, I wouldn't even know where to start with that stuff. Right, yeah. You told me about that one that you like, which is something I'd like to check out one of these days. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of, it's like with all things. Like even back then, it was like, you know, getting into anime, but it was really just all movies at that point. So I was like, that was like my main thing. I was buying movies, watching lots of movies. So anime was sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I ever hit it like too, too hard. Yeah, I did a bit of what you were talking about where I would like just blind buy things. And if something was related to somebody else, like if I heard that like Katsuhiro Otomo produced another thing. Mm-hmm. like I, I remember there was one called like Jinro um, that looked like it had uh, – they almost looked like um, like some kind of like Nazis covered in like crazy armor with like round red eyes on yes. the cover of it. And I remember hearing like it's produced by Katsuhiro Otomo and I knew him from Akira, which I loved. And was and is one of my favorites. So, like, I buy it sight unseen at FYE for, like, $30 on DVD when it comes out and then watch it and was just like, nah, it's, you know, not that great. Oh, yeah. You know, it was tough. If somebody wasn't recommending something to you, there's just, like, so many goddamn options. For sure. And this still, like I was saying, for me, is, like, kind of pre-internet. So it wasn't, like, totally a thing. Mm -hmm. You were, like, plugged. It was really, like, me going to Tokyo Kid and being like, this looks cool. Like, the, the old ways. You know, mm-hmm. so I look, I look back on it fondly. Well, speaking of the old ways, oh. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of anime out there, and we just talked about quite a few different kinds of it. But um, the theme for this episode is kind of what would you call it? Just like almost uh, like samurai ninja feudal Japan Fe- era. Feudal times, yeah. Anime, so uh, we're going to be talking about Sword for Truth, yep. uh, the aforementioned Ninja Scroll, yep, and a newer classic in my eyes, Sword of the Stranger. Yep. So uh, had you seen any of these, all of these? I have, I had seen... And own the Blu-ray for Ninja Scroll. Mm. Uh, I left it out of my preamble, but Ninja Scroll was one of the ones I saw very early. Um, always been a big fan. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, that one was a big, like, mind-blowing kind of experience. Like, well, mm. you know, like, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, so. back me up here. As far as movies are concerned... If you were getting into anime in like the late 90s, early 2000s, the standards were Akira, Ghost in the Shell, Vampire Hunter D, Ninja Scroll. Like these Mm -hmm. are like the ones that everybody saw. I mean, if you had to say three, I'd say Akira, Ghost in the Shell, Ninja Scroll. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never, I've never seen Vampire Hunter D. I oh, mean, you haven't? I'm very aware of it, but... That's just another one where I feel like it was everywhere during that time, and, like, there were action mm-hmm. figures for it, and, like, you'd go into FYE or something, and they would have, like, those cheap wall scrolls of it and stuff yes. like that. I feel like back then, like, Trigun was a big one, too. Oh, right, yeah. Which, I had some I action saw. figures from that, but I never saw it, because mm. some of those action figures were fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, this, uh, th- I was very excited for this episode. Yeah. Cause like, like we we're talking, like I, if this is the excuse I need to watch a bunch of anime, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so was Ninja Scroll the only one you had seen? Ninja Scroll is the only one I've seen or heard of. Oh, okay. Um, Ninja Scroll, yeah, classic at this point. Um, I still have the DVD from back in the day. That's what I watched. It was the 10th anniversary DVD. But um, the uh, Sword of the Stranger I had also seen before some number of years ago. I want to say it was uh, comic artist Kari Randolph um, had posted like uh, a deviant art blog um, talking mm-hmm. about like the storyboards that he's seen for the movie and like how amazing the fight scenes were and like links mm-hmm. to animatics and stuff. And I knew nothing about the movie, but I was like looking at all this stuff thinking like, man, this these fight scenes look amazing. So I watched it. I like I forget if I downloaded it or maybe I got it from Netflix at the time or something and uh, on like the physical disc in the mail and watched mm-hmm. it. And like I said, it's like become like a modern classic for me. I just think that. You know, it's a pretty good story, but the action in it is incredible. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what you had seen. I didn't know. I, I like, faintly remember us discussing this episode, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, the creation of this trifecta. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, at the time, I didn't know what your uh, standings were. I feel like I always knew you were into Berserk for some reason. Yeah, I love... If, and, like, if I could have... If it could have been, like... Uh, Ninja Scroll, the movie, uh, Sword of the Stranger, the movie, and all 25 episodes of the Berserk anime for this episode, I would have done it because I love Berserk. Mm. Never read the manga. Um, the original anime series that I'm talking about that I really love, um, it's like an era of the comic before all of like the real weird fantasy stuff takes over. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being super excited in the era of the Dreamcast that there was a sort of the Berserk video game coming out. And then I got the game and it's got like all the weird, like there's a little fairy sidekick character in the comic and everything, like stuff I'm not super into. But the like the the era of the story that that original 25 episodes takes place in is like right in my wheelhouse. Like like if it comes down to like Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo are both great shows, but I prefer... Uh, Samurai Champloo just because I think I love the idea that like all of these movies we're about to talk about have where it's just like people with a sword on their back like Mm -hmm. wandering from town to town and just like getting into things and mixed up and stuff and it's almost like uh, escapist fantasy because it's the exact opposite of me like I've lived in pretty much the same place my whole life I'm very much like a a collector of things and like kind of a materialistic person where like, I just, I like if I ever wanted to like go somewhere and like change my life, I'd have to like store just like tons of books and like movies and shit. Mm -hmm. And like just the idea of like the wandering swordsman and just like not a care in the world and going from town to town and meeting new people. And it's like a very cool, like escapist fantasy for me that berserk and all of these movies we're about to talk about have in common. I mean, I love our show for a lot of reasons, but for it, for me to learn that you've always wanted to be a wandering swordsman <laughs> is like a new high. So I'm, it's just a fun thing to like watch and experience sure. without oh, actually yeah. doing it because like to actually <laughs> like pick up and just be like, Oh, I'm going to sell all my possessions and just like mm-hmm. move around the country or something like that is just yeah. like too horrifying of a concept for a small town <laughs> Millsy to think about. Uh-huh. But 
Um, uh, it's fun to step into the shoes of Guts or oh. any of these characters and Jubei oh. and, you know, imagine yeah, for, sure, what sure. that would have been like. I love it. But anyway, uh, shall anyway. we dive into the movies that we're going to be talking about? Yes, please. All right. Well, let's start with the one neither of us had seen before, which is Sword for Truth, released in Japan in 1990. Yes. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Here's the rest of your money plus a bonus. You burned it ten times over. Words can't adequately express our appreciation for what you've done. So please, go ahead and take it all. It's yours. Why are you dressed for a funeral? I'm sorry, Sekaki, but there is one more thing the Nakura clan must demand of you before you go. Oh? You have come into contact with the princess, and so you must die. I am sorry. If you want my life, go ahead and take it. But I promise you that I'm going to take your lying, treacherous soul straight to hell with me. Uh, this was the one where, like, you know, we came up with the idea for this episode. Ninja Scroll was an obvious pick. I pushed for Sword of the Stranger because I like that movie a lot, too. And then I remember you and I being like, why is it so hard to think of another, like, Feudal Japan anime? I'm mm -hmm. sure there's a ton of them, but, like, we weren't familiar right. with any others off the top of right. our heads. And you came to me with this one. I guess you did, like, an internet search and found it. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at some imagery from it and was like, yep, this looks like it fits the bill. Um, little did we know at the time, uh, it's only 50 minutes long. <laughs> right. Uh, super brief. Very brief. Um, I wasn't I wasn't turned away by that at all because I was just like, oh, I mean, you know, it's anime. Anything goes. Uh, mm -hmm. 50 minutes could be uh, everything or nothing. Yeah. I was almost just concerned because I wasn't sure if there'd be like enough meat to chew on and like discuss mm. or whatever, but... Not well, that we'd ever have a tr have trouble having a 20-minute conversation about anything. Something. True. Well, let me ask you. Mm -hmm. Does 1990's Sword for Truth have enough for you to chew on? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's... Nah, uh, no, <laughs> I would say not really. Mm. Um, it's a pretty simple story. It's basically Wandering Swordsman... Um, a uh, the movie opens oddly on like this giant white tiger attacking a bunch of mm -hmm. like samurai, and this random swordsman comes in and kills it easily with like one swipe of his sword. And then you come to find out eventually that the white tiger was released as a diversion so that while all of the like samurai of this temple were trying to take it down, uh, this ninja clan came the Seki ninja and they kidnapped the princess from the temple and basically right. they were holding her hostage so that they could get this sword called the Ginryu sword. And so the, like the leader at the temple hires this mysterious swordsman to go and rescue the princess. And he does. And that's basically the whole thing. It's pretty simple. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it feels like it jumps around a little bit and there's just not a whole lot of meat on those bones. Um, there's not. I'll I'll say I thought the white tiger getting loose in the streets was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy that. 
from then on out, it is. it feels like haphazard, like it certainly could use more time yeah. rather than 50 minutes. I will say between like the look and feel and what happens in the story and the soundtrack <laughs> that this feels like a Skinamax samurai movie. <laughs> yeah. A lot of nudity unnecessarily. A, a lot of unnecessary nudity. Just I like was... cutaways to random lesbian scenes and stuff. Yes. Like there's a lot, some, some, uh, some interesting things for sure going on in these 50 minutes. Yeah. And I was just, it's got like an eighties kind of synth soundtrack mm-hmm. and you know, everything's kind of, all the artwork has like a little like shiny lens flare kind of gloss to it. And yeah, it just felt like, it just felt like one of those movies, like, you know, we're, we're here to do one thing and we just got to sprinkle some story on top of it. <laughs> yeah. They cut, they cut a lot of corners in this movie mm-hmm. animation wise. Yeah. I mean, this definitely felt pretty dated because of that. Like, yes, you know, as time goes on, like, I feel like Ninja Scroll was like a big deal because of like how good the action was in it and how good mm-hmm. the animation of the action scenes was. And then I think you push something like that even further when you get to Sword of the Stranger and like obviously they spent like a lot of time choreographing and animating those action scenes. And in this it was more like, well, there's action, but we're more concerned about like the naked scenes. So right. The action is just going to be a lot of like, you know, black screen with like a bluish white glint that goes across and a sound effect of a sword swipe and then mm-hmm. cutting to just like a kind of hatched almost uh, colored pencil looking still image of a severed head flying off right with like the sound of spraying blood and the guy going like <laughs> you know right. right like a lot of like you said cut corners that just visually isn't particularly interesting and when the story is kind of so so and then there's no like great visuals to go with it. It's overall kind of ho hum and disappointing. Yeah, there's a lot of like uh, just still shots that the camera pans across. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that. I mean, th- they didn't hold back on the blood, which yeah. you know, loving like old samurai movies, it's always you know always brings a gives me a grin when I see that, even in anime. You know, mm-hmm. so they they didn't hold back in that regard, but. Man. But even like in the middle of a fight scene, you you had that big guy, um, Dogen the Invincible, and he's fighting like a whole bunch of uh, ninja women who look kind of like uh, Electra with like all the red yes. outfits. Yep. And like the first one he kills, he like slices her in the chest and then it's like her fucking top pops open right. and she's right. got just like huge breasts hanging out in slow motion. And... It's right out of skin of Max Millsy, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely a little unusual, and I mean, I've already referenced Ninja Scroll quite a few times just in this review, but, you know, the classic thing about that film, and we will talk about it more in detail when we get there, is uh, it almost, to me, always felt like playing a video game and like a series of mini-bosses trying to get to the main boss, because it's really just Jubei fighting like seven different characters with special powers until he gets to the his like nemesis right. at the end. Mm-hmm. This has an element of that almost feels like a precursor to Ninja Scroll, but mm. it's so 
each encounter with one of the like mini boss kind of characters with weird abilities is so brief. It's like he gets attacked and then he like slashes twice with his sword and it's done. Yeah. And it feels like that's another corner that was cut. Um, yeah, like they just don't have the the time or the money to flesh out scenes or flesh out animation. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, I, it really just felt to me like there's there's like a certain corner of the anime world we're trying to cover here. And this is the cheapest, cheapest, easiest way we could do it. <laughs> yeah. And I know like, so this movie came out in 1990. And obviously you had like great examples of of anime with like incredible animation and stuff before this like akira i think the akira anime came out in 88 mm-hmm. um you know obviously a bigger budget and more time and and uh, right. stuff spent on that movie but i wonder if this style of movie because i haven't watched like a ton of stuff from this era um except for the big things like i said Appleseed and ghost in the shell was even later but um i wonder if this was kind of par for the course for a lot of stuff at the time Except for maybe like really big projects like Akira, I would almost be sure that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like any kind of big boom, and then the people start just pushing things out. Yeah. You know? Um. One thing that I found interesting about it is, uh, like, tell me if you think I'm crazy about this. Um. You know, where like the way that American uh, cartoons looked in like the 80s and early 90s. I feel like we're very inspired by anime before like a lot of Americans even really knew what anime was mm-hmm. right down to like the sound effects of like everything almost having like a high pitched, like, like glinting noise to oh, it. I don't even know how sure. to describe it. Like the kind oh, of noises yeah, for, and stuff. A hundred percent. And using like those harsh, bright whites and blues whenever there's like glints of light on things. And mm-hmm. it just, all of it, all the sound effects and the kind of background music and um, what little bits of like actual fight animation they were there was reminded mm-hmm. me of the the cartoon I watched the most when I was a kid, which was the Ghostbusters cartoon. Okay. Just like the sound effects of like the Ghostbusters in my memory running with like their packs and everything on and just like the clattering noises when they throw the trap down. Like I feel like all of those sound effects were in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did put me in kind of a nostalgic place because of that. But meanwhile, it was just kind of a boring story and a lot of weird sex stuff. <laughs> right. Um, was a, one thing is towards the end that just like a, a little thing I liked was at the very end against like the, the boss character there. And when he's telling him, he's like, oh, he's, he's all dressed in white. Yep. And he's like, oh, I dressed for my own funeral as it was <laughs> to start a sword fight. I was like, oh, I had to write that down because I was like, that was cool. Yeah, that was a neat little scene. Cool little twist oh. I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. But also for like primarily an, an action story, I guess, or an action-oriented story where it's like him fighting a bunch of different mini-boss type of characters. Um, you know, the movie's only 50 minutes long. But it doesn't feel like there's like an action beat that it ends on. Like all the action happens... And then they have like that scene where uh, he's getting paid and then they're going to kill him for honor, which is weird in and of itself. Um, And then Mm -hmm. he like walks down the street and has a little meeting with a character he's never met before who was not important to the plot in the least and was only in one other scene, which was weird. Mm -hmm. And then it's just over. And it just it felt like this was an episode of a series, not an actual complete movie to me. Yeah. 
I'm with you completely. It feels like not not to compare it because this thing is so much better. But as I was watching this, it felt like um, which I have a copy of a Shogun Assassin, mm. which is just uh, chunks from Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, and it's this felt like it was just chopped up pieces of something else. <laughs> Yeah, so I did a little reading on this movie, and it was based on a series of novels by a guy named Takeshi Marumi, Mm -hmm. and it feels like they picked a random novel in the middle of this series and turned it into a movie with no sequels or prequels. So, like, if you're Mm -hmm. reading the novels, then you would one would end, and you would think like, "Oh, well, I got the next one coming out soon that I can read," and this just like kind of ends in a weird spot, and it's like that. um, What was his name? Uh, Maruji. That assassin who fights with jujitsu. Yes. Like in the middle of the film, towards the end of the film, honestly, uh, we just get a random scene of him disguised and leading somebody down the street. And then he's revealed to be an assassin and they fight and he kills the guy who he was leading through the streets. And then it cuts away. And I was thinking like, okay, this is another one of the like mini boss type of characters. And we're going to see the lead fight him at the end. And no, they just, like I say, walk by each other, and that's right. the end of the movie. But <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, it feels like that is a character from, like, the next book, and they introduced him in this one, and then the, yeah. that never got made into a movie. <laughs> no, that makes total sense, man. It really does. Yeah. It's like, we got just enough movie to adapt something. And like you said, like we said already, just, like, push something out because the anime's hot right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, speaking of pushing something out because anime is hot right now, um, mm. something else that I read is even though this was made before, like three years before Ninja Scroll, which is crazy to think that in only three years you have a difference between how this looked and felt and how Ninja Scroll looks and feels. Sure, sure. But um, this movie didn't get released in America until after Ninja Scroll. And I guess at the time, Ninja Scroll was a huge hit for manga entertainment. And they were just like, what else do we have that we can put out to try and capitalize on the popularity of that? And I think because this has those similar themes of like fighting a bunch of kind of mini boss type of characters, um, that's probably why they shoveled this out onto American and uh, UK audiences. And then apparently it got very negative reviews (laughs) (laughs) because everybody was expecting like, oh, it's going to be another ninja scroll. And then it's this like kind of half-assed feeling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. You want to call it? I would say so. Like you kind of nailed that one. <laughs> but I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting, the connection there that I had. Because mm-hmm. I had never heard of this movie until you like found it on the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah, same here. That was like, I don't want to say it's a complete struggle to find something, but almost. It was more difficult than I expected. Yeah. And maybe just, you know, stuff released in America that's easily accessible or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. Um, just generic search terms of like feudal Japan anime movie, like would bring up nothing except for Ninja Scroll and Sword of the right. Stranger for right, me. Right, right, But, uh, yeah, I think, I feel like we've just about covered it. Uh, I guess one of the kind of talking point is, um, again, these will peril in comparison to the characters in Ninja Scroll, but, um. What what did you think of the different like villainous characters that the the main character came up against in his um, his trek? I'll I'll be honest, Millsy. This is the first one I watched. Uh huh. Which not that long ago, but I'm forgetting a lot of this movie. <laughs> yeah. 
I it's re- not super engaging, so that doesn't surprise me. It's really not. I remember. I probably would say what I really remember: the jujitsu guy. I remember, mm-hmm. just but almost in a laughable way. Yeah, you know. So, well, so after, <clears throat> so the main character, uh, God, what was even his name? Um, Ooh, good luck. Tyrannosuke. Oh, that's right. Because every time they said his name, it made me think they were saying Tyrannosaurus because it's Tyrannosuke. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so basically he goes and he, he rescues the princess. And then, so while he's there, he fights Dogen the Invincible. But then some random female ninjas come. And I was like, oh, are these, um, is this backup sent from the same emperor or whatever that sent him to save the princess? But no, like, in order to get the princess back, main character gives this special sword called the Ginryu sword to uh, Dogen. And then Dogen decides to like try and kill the girl anyway. So the main character saves the girl. And Dogen is still there, like ready to take on the main character. And then in come these random ninjas who are just there because they also want the sword that now Dogen has. And it's like... Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even have like any kind of final confrontation with the seemingly main villain Dogen because he leaves. The female ninjas fight him and seemingly kill him, but then he comes back to life and he's like, nothing can stop me. And it shows him kill a couple of the female ninjas and then it cuts away and we never see what happens with that fight or that character. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Which again makes it feel like this must be like to be continued or something, right? Yeah, it's just they just really like cherry picked good stuff regardless of if it you know was gonna make coherent sense when they put it in a movie together i don't know yeah and then so after uh shiranasuke leaves with the princess um it's on his way back to the temple that she comes from where he runs across three other villains the first one is like a spider web villain who mm-hmm. wears this almost, it looks like a gas mask, like a modern day gas yes. mask on his face. Yeah. And the front of it opens up and shoots webs right. like Spider-Man. Just kind of like a lame look. Really, really lame look. I was not into. It's just like generic villain, but with a gas mask thing on his face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, he he kills him in like 90 seconds of screen time. Um, It's like nothing interesting comes from that bad guy at all. Right. And then next they're in a boat. And there's like an amphibious like frogman villain who just like yes. There's nothing right, special yeah. about him ex- yeah. except he looks like a reptile. That yeah, that was a weird one. And he yeah, has like a coming sp- back to me. Yeah, <laughs> he has like a spear that he like throws up through the water, and mm-hmm. again he jumps out of the water to attack them, and in one swipe, main character kills him, and yeah. that's the end of him. Right. And then the third one is. I think it was a female character. It was like an old witch woman who was like hopping around on top of all these little like floating like candle things on the water and she like spit fire at him. And again, one slash and I think he cuts off her head. And that's it. Yes. Yeah. Like just, yeah, they just not the most amazing characters, but like what a waste of them. Yeah. It's just like they're, were they just afraid of a longer runtime, you know? Like I don't know. scenes where they could have had more, they didn't. Mm-hmm. That's just it's weird. Weird choices all around. Yeah, and the voice acting on some of the characters was really bad. Like 
one or two of the main characters, decent voices that feel like they fit their characters, but then it feels like everybody else, it feels like they recorded the English language audio for this in New Jersey and they just brought people in off the mm-hmm. street or something. Mm-hmm. Like the voices just felt like modern American accents that did not yes. fit the characters at all. And it didn't sound like people were putting on voices from them. So you'd have like this like samurai character, like Japanese samurai. And he would just be talking like a New Yorker or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Well done. It's <laughs> just super weird. Mm-hmm. So in every way, this one felt a little half-assed to me. I, I must concur, friend. Yeah. Uh, so anything else about that one or can we move on to its uh, more successful counterpart? Yes, let's. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next up, released in Japan in 1993 and America in 1995, we have the oft-mentioned already Ninja Scroll. It hurts. It makes us even, doesn't it? Let's just call it quits! Not until you have paid your debt. That's not very smart. First of all, don't you think if we keep this up, it's almost certain one of us is gonna die? One of us. Yes. There's no reason we should kill each other. That's the only sensible answer, isn't it? Answer this! A very skillful attack. But you must realize I can't be cut. So it seems. Ninja Scroll is, in fact, a classic for good reason. Mm -hmm. This movie, it's kind of like something else. This was like mind-blowing when I first saw it. I'd say I probably saw it in 97, 98, somewhere around there, if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. Just because that was kind of line up with my high school years. Yeah. Um, Just kind of, dude, looked like nothing else. The action was huge. For me, it was big because, like, being into comics and stuff, it was like, uh, it felt like an X-Men story or something with the soup, with the powers, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, so the villains in this are called the uh, the Eight Devils of Kimon. Mm. Let me give you a quick rundown. And tell me if I'm correct. Okay. So you've got eight bad guys. Yep. So if you break them down just to the essence, I have Rock Guy. Tessai. Shadow guy. Uh, yes, that's Shijima. Snake lady. Uh, Benisato. Wasp fella. <laughs> Mushizo. String dude. Yurimaru. Uh, spice girl. <laughs> spice. Uh, Zakuro. Uh, Blindo. Utsusu Mujuro. And the one name I knew, Gemma. Yep, Himuro Gemma. The big bad. Yeah, who is pretty much just like Dogen the Invincible in the last movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can slash the shit out of him, chop his head off, whatever, and he just will not die. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, as it comes to the third act, you certainly see a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, (sighs) I mean, that's the so this movie, you, you said it already. I've praised it as well. Pretty much a classic from this era, a go-to standard of anime mm-hmm. just for like how good it looks and everything. Here's my question to you. Is it just the great animation 
and the awesome fight scenes with interesting villains that makes it a great movie or like I honestly feel because like it had been a while since I watched it, but I don't know if I ever remembered the plot of the movie. And even after watching it like a day later when I was like writing my notes for when we record this show, I had to look it up and like read a synopsis to like be able to actually understand what the plot of the movie was. Because when I'm watching it, I'm almost just waiting for the next action scene to happen. Like I don't think it's a super compelling story so i think that the thing that makes it so stand out is just the impressive nature of like the action and the cool bad guys would you agree I've, or i've i've seen this movie many times i haven't seen it in 10 years i'm not even sure i bought the blu-ray and i might have just boxed it i'm not even sure if i ever watched it mm-hmm. um man i this time around i noticed how kind of uh, I don't want to say how poor the plot is but it's kind of uh, all over the place a little yeah I feel like honestly in all three of these movies and in a lot of anime that I've seen um, it's like the stories are kind of complicated and there's so many freaking characters that they're Mm -hmm. talking about and referencing and Yep. I do feel like unless there's like the rare anime where the story is really the thing that sings about it, like Your Name, which you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier when I couldn't think of the title, um, like that isn't about like action or whatever. It's like a dramatic like love story with a sci-fi element to it. So that movie is like all about the premise. It has great visuals as well, but it's more about like the story and like it feels more like a, an actual film. Where like you come yeah. away like that was a great story. Whereas something like this, or I guess if I was gonna remember anything about uh Sword for Truth, it would be, you know, the action scenes and just like mm-hmm. how badass the fights are and like this the like fantasy characters and stuff. I, I between the, the these two, I'd say you definitely like kind of nailed it. They're just overly complicated. Yeah. Like Honestly, do you think you could uh, give a synopsis like for this of the actual story? Uh, no, it would just be like as meandering as yeah. I feel like the movie kind of is. You'll see like a scene of something that you don't really understand and then the character will have like these little flashes of memory that you don't really put together and it's like mm-hmm. you get the idea that the main character Jubei and the bad guy Gemma like know each other and have a history and you know that Jubei chopped off his head at some point. But it's like, why? And honestly, like I said, reading the Wikipedia synopsis, Mm -hmm. it's like I had just watched the movie but had not grasped at all what the actual plot was. Mills, same thing when they – the way the Wikipedia tries to explain like why Jubei isn't – like why he's like a masterless ninja mercenary now Mm -hmm. and like why he killed Gemma like doesn't – I don't think that's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's like, where did they get this information from? Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, like this time around, I really that really stuck out to me. Like, I was like, man, has it been that long, or is it just I was so blown away by the visuals, I never really noticed. Uh, this movie's long. This one's hour fifty. Is it that Maybe long? Yeah. Hour. It's at least an hour forty. Really? I thought it was only uh, like ninety minutes, but no, no. It's uh, it feels it gets a little long in the tooth for sure. Yeah, but at least there is a fair amount of you know, yeah, well timed out 
action throughout sure. the film. I mean, I want to, yeah, certainly don't want to trash too because the action is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is like the 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 demon guys, the, the eight characters, they devils are all cool, all you know, have a cool look to each of them. Mm-hmm. You know, their skill sets and powers and weapons, like all of that is like the stuff I ate up. Yeah. When I first saw it, like was all about it. Yeah. I it's it like I said, it's kinda like after each action scene, I was just kind of waiting for the next one because each mm-hmm. one has like a little twist to it and Right. Yeah. I I will say not nearly like as bad as Sword for Truth. Some of the fight scenes I feel like are like cut short. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're not all super long. Like sometimes yeah. it's just like a couple of quick interactions, yeah. uh, clashes of a sword, and then it's over. But like uh, Shadow Guy, mm-hmm. I was like, I really liked his look, his whole deal. But that he kind of gets dispatched pretty quickly, mm-hmm. which I forgot. I was kind of bummed. Yeah, it's um, like, as I was watching this again. It had been a long time. Um. I was expecting more out of that character and imagining like a scene with him in like a bridge in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I think that there's a very similar character in the Vampire Hunter D animated movie that I was actually thinking of. Like similar thing where he like hides in shadows. Yep. But I think there's like a more significant sequence with a character similar to him in Vampire Hunter D, which I was thinking of. Mm. Honestly. Interesting. You know, um, that immediately make, makes me think of the wasp guy. And how he's basically like recreated in Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater. Oh right, yeah. Which like playing Snake Eater, I can remember thinking like, oh, it's like it's like Wasp guy. Mm-hmm. I'll tell. Let me tell you, like honestly, <laughs> I think that 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 guy uh, Mushizo with the bees. Like literally, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the movie, he. He like psychically controls a swarm of bees or wasps, and like early on in his fight scene, um, his shirt gets cut open. He's oh, got like a hunchback. I, I already know where you're going with this. <laughs> and his back is literally like a wasp's nest or a hornet's nest with just like mm-hmm. a ton of holes in his back that the bees mm-hmm. come out of. And uh, I think that may be like I, I like the beginning of like my trypophobia. <laughs> yeah, which. We've talked about uh, this will probably be our first time on air is a an odd thing I share. Yeah, is a, a cluster of holes. Yeah, it's weird. It's not. It's not every cluster of holes, but there's no, like a certain, certain element ones. to like. And just you know, if you look up trypophobia and you look at like images on Google, there's people who will take like you know imagery of seed pods and like photoshop mm-hmm. it onto people's bodies to make it look like they have like they have weird diseases and stuff and it yeah. just weirds me the fuck out it's um, making my skin stay- crawl right now it's actually doing the same thing to me uh, <laughs> my scalp is like itching so some people will be like yes and other people are going to be like what the fuck are you guys talking about yeah it's one of those things that i feel like it, uh, it affected a lot of people and then all of a sudden one day everybody was like hey the internet can tell me what this is and now there's like <laughs> right like a ton of people out there who sympathize with this feeling but yeah. i honestly think this is the first time potentially for me where i consciously like not not this viewing but like back when i originally watched this like seeing that on that got creepy little dude's mm-hmm. back and just being like unnerved by it, not really understanding why. I I don't remember back then, but this time around, I was I definitely did like my normal 
<laughs> like noise because it, it it came in and I was like, oh no. Yeah, it's so gross. And then oh. the way he dies where uh, he falls in the water and it's like all the bees inside of his body are drowning. Mm-hmm. So they're like stinging the shit out of him trying to get out. Right. And he's just like bleeding from every orifice in the water. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> it's so, so creepy. So creepy. What a cool idea for a character, though. Yeah. I mean, and like early on, you see like you get the rock guy, rock guy, shadow guy, wasp guy all pretty quickly. Mm hmm. I could just, again, I was seeing it when I was a kid. I was like, man, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. And then the, the it's it's the exact opposite of Sword of for Truth when it comes to the action. Where it's, it's not just, you know, quick cuts and like move, the camera moving across static images. Like there's some like real nice animation throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love the, um, the action and the scene with the blind uh, swordsman. Oh, just like the actual it. sword fighting in that one is yes. great in the trees. I, that's the one thing, the bamboo fight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, love that. Love the so way good. that, like, just the unique way that the, he wins that fight with yeah. the, the other sword that's lodged in the tree mm-hmm. that obviously mm-hmm. since the guy's blind, he can't hear it. So I love can't that. see it. So, yeah. And then just the way he, when they're both running, like, parallel, and they're kind of, like, moving back and forth within the bamboo stalks. Like, mm-hmm. So good. So I cool. Love it. Um, yeah, just like I feel like this movie was pretty influential. Um, like we've already mentioned a couple things that are similar to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually read that uh, the Wachowskis cited this movie as an inspiration yeah. for The Matrix. You'll you'll probably uh, catch this reference, but uh, I think uh, Joe Mad Joe Madarero mm-hmm. was a big anime guy back then. And then there's the there's a certain arc of Uncanny X Men where I think a few of the X Men like go to Japan or something, and they basically like meet a character who's just like the old old monk ninja from uh-huh. Ninja Scroll. Yeah. Um, if you were to like look at it right now, you because he's got like the same staff and the the kind of overall look. Is that the story where they fight like the ghost ninjas or whatever? It might be. I really, you know, I can see like the cover in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. I don't remember too too much of the story, but I feel like I remember either reading or just thinking that was all. That's where he got the inspiration from. Yeah, just have to make a note of looking up, looking at it after. But but I mean, I can directly say that um, the Broken Legacy comic series that Jesse and I uh, work on, mm-hmm. um, like. <laughs> coming up with the idea of like the group of villains for the two main characters. Tobias and Gabriel to fight uh, Jesse I don't believe has ever seen Ninja Scroll even though I told him to watch it um, but this was a big influence for me on that because it's like kind of a fantasy medieval kind of yeah, story yeah. and like you know in this movie you have like the big imp- imposing badass member of the team who is uh, the rock guy Tasai. Mm-hmm. And sort of a combination of him and the chain, like long range chain weapon from the shadow guy Shijima yeah. is kind of the inspiration and in how nice, I came man. up with uh, with one of the main bad guys in um, in Broken Legacy. And then there are other characters like at the end of issue two of Broken Legacy, you see a character who can like transmute into smoke. And he's also kind of influenced by Shijima and the way he can like hide in shadows and stuff. Um, and That's there's, awesome. I never knew that. 
Yeah, there's a couple of other characters that haven't been introduced yet because we haven't done issue three, but pretty much the entirety, not directly influenced by sure, specific sure. characters in uh, in Ninja Scroll mm-hmm. in every case, but the whole idea of like a, a group of like diverse, different kinds of like fantasy bad guys mm-hmm. of like all shapes and sizes is directly for me influenced by... Um, by Ninja Scroll and the Vampire Hunter D movie, which had a very similar kind of thing where there's like a werewolf guy and there's like the shadow guy and he fights oh, see, like all these cool. people one by I like, one. I really do love this kind of stuff, you know, like that kind of setting, but still having, you know, basically people with powers. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's interesting. And then when you get the good visual with it, which, you know, there's plenty of in Ninja Scroll as mm-hmm. far as the character design. Yeah. You know, it's like, still will always give me a big smile even when you see the like the poster art for ninja scroll Mm -hmm. is pretty awesome because they're all they're all on there yeah yeah like i like i've said before i just like that feeling of like one by one going through all of these characters and getting like a little scene where each one gets to like shine or do their thing or whatever oh yeah oh yeah um you just no go ahead well, I was just gonna say, uh, thinking of all the characters, like the string, it, it feels like such like kind of like a throwaway idea, but it's so cool in this movie. Like Are you how talking they use it to keep... the the guy who uses the wires to electrocute people, or the string yeah. attached to the sword? Uh, well, no the the one the electrocuting one and how they talk. Oh right, too, yeah. You know, like all that's wicked cool. Mm-hmm. So big fan. Yeah. Um. And then, like, there's this I had completely forgotten about, but the whole thing with um, the the old uh, Tokugawa spy, um, like the old guy that kind of hires Jubei or oh. forces him to work for him by poisoning him. Right. And then um, the female character, Kagero, who is the only survivor of that original, like, group of ninjas who go investigating mm-hmm. – um, and the weird thing with her where she, her body is like infused with poison. So it's almost like, uh, like a defense mechanism. If anyone tries to kiss her or like have sex with her, then they'll die from poison. Right. <laughs> and, um, I'd completely forgotten that that's how the rock guy is killed because like his skin is impervious, but he attempts to rape mm-hmm. her. And then later on in the story, his like the rock facade of him starts to weaken because right. he's poisoned by her, like yeah. a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, he gets, I was, he gets taken out pretty quick mm-hmm. from that point. He probably has the most screen time. Yeah, just because he's he's in the big the big scene that takes out that ninja clan first. Yeah, and an awesome death scene when he gets yeah. that double bladed oh, thing yeah. in the head, and then oh, his yeah. fucking head slides down it and mm-hmm. slices open. <laughs> Yeah, this movie don't hold back on the blood either. No. That's for sure. Yeah, it's just a memorable, impactful <laughs> series of imagery that mm, makes very. this movie so good. And um, I mentioned to my buddy Matt, who's a big fan of anime, earlier today that I had rewatched this movie. And um, we were talking about it. And I kind of agree with what he had to say, where like all of the different villains have like cool powers and they're memorable. And then... You get to Gemma at the end, and mm-hmm. like his thing, he just like can't die, so he just like keeps coming back to life, and like his body parts get cut off, and he puts them back on. But he doesn't have like a really cool like visual power or anything about him, right? Um, so it almost feels like 
uh, it's a little bit of a letdown when you get to the final boss at the end, like the final enemy. Yeah, a little bit. It's like, still a well animated fight scene and everything, but it just doesn't have like that the pizzazz of like a yeah. guy with bees in his back. <laughs> yeah, like the I think the general like climax payoff isn't as good as the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that being part of that with the Gamma. I mean, I kind of like how he just like kind of joins back together and it's kind of like happens quickly and he, mm-hmm. you know, he keeps moving. It was, I didn't love how it's like all the gold melts. See, I actually do like that as like a clever way of like, how do you stop someone who can reattach their body parts in an instant and I can't mean, be killed? It makes sense. I just don't like how it happens. Like just cause the boat's on fire, mm-hmm. you know, that turns into a sea of molten gold. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, to actually have a character like purposefully make that happen seems like it would be very complicated. Yes. <laughs> so I I kind of like it. I mean I'm I'm fine with how it happens. I just like the fact that it does happen and he gets like encased in the gold and then immediately mm-hmm. falls in the water. So it like hardens the gold and yeah. that's how you get rid of him and he sinks I mean, to the that, bottom of the ocean. That and, is the way to do it for sure. Yeah. Just um you know I feel like. In modern day, that's how they killed Wolverine, quote unquote, a couple years ago in the comics, is having him mm-hmm. get encased in adamantium. Um, right. And that's more like problematic and stupid to me. Like, of all the ways mm-hmm. Wolverine's going to go out, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. you're telling me they couldn't just say, like, hey, Magneto, you're our friend half the time. Why don't you come and, like, take this adamantium off of Wolverine? Or, hey, Kitty Pride, you, like, phased an entire giant bullet so it would pass through the earth back in Astonishing X-Men. Could you <laughs> right. reach inside this metal and right. pull Wolverine out, maybe? Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that's, that's beside the point. But just basically to say that uh, I like the use of that concept better in this than in... The recent Wolverine thing. I, I, I w- I'll go with you on that, too. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Just a neat little bit of problem solving. Like, how do you mm-hmm. how do you mm-hmm. kill somebody who can't be killed, basically? Yeah. I th- I feel like right, proceed, just right after that, it does end kind of abruptly. Mm-hmm. The movie in general. Um, I guess, I mean, it, it's fine. He's just, he's back to being a roaming ninja. Yeah, I mean, that's the way you want one of these stories to end, because then, you know, if you do a sequel, you just pick right, pick right back up, he's off to yeah. a new adventure, I guess. It's just like the actual scene, it just feels like it happened so fast. It's like within a blink of your eye, it's over. Yeah, you know? at least this movie has a climax and an True. ending instead of, like, Sword for Truth, where it just feels like <laughs> right. it's not over yet. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, um, so going along with this movie being so popular, so well-known, kind of considered a classic now and being influential, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Manga Entertainment did very well with this film. Uh, It came out in 2005 in the U.S., and by May 2006, it had sold 70,000 copies in the U.S. alone. And at the time was Manga Entertainment's best-selling title. Huh. So that I just tells it. you the widespread. I mean, this is that this is the kind of movie where like, okay, so everybody has that friend who's into anime and then they see this and they're just like, holy shit, this is incredible. And they tell all their friends to watch it. And before you know it, even people who are like casual anime fans have seen it and are talking about how great it is because it's just mm-hmm. so impressive visually and oh, action sure. wise. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, it holds up. Mm hmm. Yeah, big time. And then uh did you hear about the uh the potential live action film version of this? Oh god, no. 
So I kind of have mixed feelings on the whole, you know, adapting uh, Mm -hmm. anime or whatever manga into live action films in America, because on one hand, you get Ghost in the Shell, which was a bit of a disappointment. Um, And then on the other hand, I really enjoyed Alita Battle Angel. Um, Sure. But so back in 2008, uh, Warner Brothers acquired the live action rights for Ninja Scroll. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company was going to produce it. Okay. And uh, the guy who wrote the live-action Watchmen movie, Alex, I think it's C, T-S-E is his last name, Alex C, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a script for it in 2009. And the guy who eventually directed Dracula Untold, Gary Shore, was going to direct it. And, like, the rights are still out there, but it's, like, in development hell, and I kind of think we'll never see it, but... Yeah, it's probably... Probably for the best. Probably for the best. Yeah. But still interesting to think that, mm-hmm. you know, Leo DiCaprio yeah, like was like, oh, I'd like to make that movie. <laughs> I almost I almost feel like that, like, the same way I feel about, like, the Disney live-action remakes. Like, Oh, sure. It's not a thing for me. It's something I want to see. It's never going to be as good as the animated. Like, mm-hmm. comics are different. Like, you know, manga, like... Battle Angel Alita to a movie's different because it's not anime. It was the book. Yeah. Same with comics, like same that kind of thing. But I mean, I would say, if nothing else, like, uh, like if you're like, I'm kind of okay with the idea of adapting anime into a film in America, like a live action film, because like how many people, you know, you know, Ghost in the Shell, whether it was a good or a bad movie, the live action mm-hmm. version, whether you like it or not, like how many people would go see a live action like CG heavy sci-fi fantasy like action movie starring Scarlett Johansson versus how many people would actually try the Ghost in the Shell anime even if you told them it was really good. So it's like potentially getting a new audience for something that would Mm -hmm. never try. Like my dad would watch the Scarlett Johansson movie, Mm -hmm. but he would never watch the Ghost in the Shell anime. Like it just wouldn't happen. Right. And like Ninja Scroll, same thing. You know, obviously very popular, but if there was like a big budget live action movie with like a star in it, probably could reach a whole new audience. And that's where I'm kind of like, yeah, like how many people would watch, you know, Battle Angel as an anime in America versus the bigger audience that they could get with the movie kind of oh, thing? For sure. I mean, yeah. The, Whereas it, comparatively, Disney when they're doing these quote-unquote live-action remakes that are just, like, all CG, um, you know, who's their target audience? Kids and Disney fans who have already seen or could already watch the animated versions. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not reaching anybody new, I feel, with this that wouldn't probably see the original anyway. That's a good good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, apples and oranges, it's nitpicking, but I... Mm -hmm. I just really against the whole Disney remake thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I don't knock. Like, it's kind of one of those things. Like, we have this conversation every once in a while, but like, or even just recently, like, I don't mind if someone just tries a thing, like making a sequel or a prequel or mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, live action adaptation. I don't knock that. Like, I would, if I thought Ninja Scroll adaptation looked good, I would still see it. Yeah. But still, it's kind of the same thing with the the Disney ones. Yeah, I mean, if someone's passionate about a project or whatever, like, you know, what's it going to hurt if somebody does a remake or tries something like that? 
that's not the thing I have an issue with. It's like all the the money that Disney like loads into one of these like live action slash CG remakes. Mm. I don't even have a problem with Disney making live action or CG movies, but like make a new make one, a new thing. Like come up yes. with a new thing and put that money at it. So there's like a new thing for me to be a fan of instead right. of just like a shot for shot remake of the lion King with all CG characters mm-hmm. instead of traditional mm-hmm. awesome looking hand animated ones. I, Right. And then, like, I don't know, like, I'd be more interested to see John Favreau make, like, another chef or something instead of yes. making The Lion King, which you could watch and, like, you, it could be anybody probably directing it. If anything comes away from this episode, it's, yes, Chef 2, please. <laughs> yeah. We're not even Chef 2, but, like, John Favreau. Like, yeah. give us another, that was an amazing movie that was, like, all him. Like, give us another mm-hmm. one of those. Mm-hmm. But. I would take, yes, that or actually Chef 2. I love Chef. It's one yeah. of my favorite movies. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. Very awesome. Um, mm. All right. Well, anything else to say about Ninja Scroll before we just talk about Chef for the next 10 I th- minutes? I think we covered it. All right. So moving on to uh, Sword of the Stranger. Yes. This was released in Japan in 2007 and the United States and the UK in 2008. Okay. Um, like I said earlier, discovered this via um, the praise of, I believe it was comic artist Kari Randolph on DeviantArt. Okay. Um, watched it, I don't even know when, probably around 2008, 2009 when it was pretty pretty new. Really liked it. Hadn't watched it since, but had very fond memories of it. So uh, mm-hmm. why don't you tell me what uh, you thought of this film? So, Sword of the Stranger. Not a great name. It's okay. Yeah. Feels kind of generic. This movie is awesome. <laughs> yes. Millsy. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for Sword of the Stranger. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to hold back. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I was not expecting anything I saw in this movie. I'll tell you, I watched Sword of Truth, Sword for Truth, then Sword of the Stranger, then Ninja Scroll. In that order, usually I go uh, chronologically with release. Mm-hmm. I did it this way because I was like, I know at least I like Ninja Scroll. <laughs> yeah. Man. Was I in for a rude awakening? <laughs> Sword of the Stranger, I'm going to say right now, is my favorite movie I've seen on Triple Threat that I had not seen before. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, this movie... Mills, Mills, you already know. Mm-hmm. 
I'm always going to love a boy and his dog story. <laughs> yeah, Toby Maru, man. Toby Maru. Man. This this movie's got that covered. It's got your mysterious swordsman, which some could say is a generic kind of thing. Maybe, maybe not, but man. Like the ninja for Metal Gear Solid has no name. Yes. His name literally means nameless when translated. <laughs> yes. Uh, I am like you. I have no name. I mean, between that that three, that little that little trifecta they made, uh, you got another badass evil samurai guy that looks like Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> yeah. He does look like Kiefer Sutherland oh, from dude, looks uh, just like him. from, from uh, like Lost uh, Boys. Lost Boys, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, th- this this movie has the first time I've ever seen a horse chase. That was like a car chase scene. <laughs> uh, it's just, I could go on and on, man. This movie is so good that I can't believe I never, like, it was just never on my radar before. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. I can believe that because it's just so, so kind of removed from anime stuff. Yeah. Man, this was such a delight. This is like more reasons for me to love our little thing here because it's like, <laughs> it's all about just us, like, discovering movies and then talking about them. Cause man, this the only thing I'll say. Uh oh. <laughs> maybe it's a little long. Maybe. Could have maybe shaved off ten minutes, but that's like just like the slightest kind of nitpick thing about it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you what I would take out, but it's just one of those kind of general feelings. Yeah, this one's about an hour and forty-five minutes. Um, I mean, it doesn't feel long to me. Maybe they could have removed something, but. Uh... Like I said, it's just like the, the smallest of pickiness there. Yeah, the the vast majority of the film is just spending time with uh, Nanashi, the nameless uh, swordsman, mm-hmm. Kotaro, the kid, and his dog, Tobimaru. Right. Um, Mills, the action in this movie is so good. Yeah. To not even get... I, we may need to have a second episode just to talk about the final uh, sword fight. <laughs> yeah. Between the nameless one and Kiefer Sutherland, but man, this movie's packed to the gills with great looking animation. I mean, animation looks so good, mm-hmm. and the action is so fun. It's just, it was like refreshing. It was just I was like so excited to be watching. Once within probably twenty minutes in, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, damn! <laughs> I was like, sort of the stranger. Where have you been? And then it it didn't it didn't let off. It just picked up, you know. I love the story. The story's like nothing. It's not like it didn't feel super like overly complicated. Um, it's a little complicated in that, like, I have trouble sometimes keeping track of like which emperors they're talking about here yeah. and there, and like it's which just clan not as, everybody's a part of. But it's not as bad as the other two. But I would say, in contrast to the other two, where we were talking about how like it's just confusing and the story just isn't great, and like in Ninja Scroll, it's all about the action and the plot, like either doesn't make sense or isn't that important. Mm-hmm. This one, uh is like the opposite of that where the story actually matters and is one of the great things about it. In addition to the awesome action scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think like stuff. I wrote like the, the music's really good. The score is really good. Mm -hmm. Like the sound design, everything. Um, the music during the final fight scene is great. Yeah. Yes. Man, that final fight is so good. 
I wrote that, actually that down. Final fight is dope and score is awesome. <laughs> so, because I was just jotting these down, these notes down as fast as I could. I mean, I just love like it's kind of like your things brought up earlier about like the the wandering swordsman, but then he's got his you know his little crew mm-hmm. and there's a dog. I mean, I love how they they're together in the end too. Uh, on horseback after he's like learned how to ride a horse. Yeah. Uh, you know, Millsy, I mean, it's kind of hard for people listening if they haven't seen the movie, but man, when he's saved in the end by that little green rock. Oh, right. Yeah. Millsy got me, got me in the chest. Mm-hmm. I felt it in my heart. Yeah. It's almost like there? the, it, I feel like it's a, like a action movie stereotype of like, Somebody is given like a gift mm, by oh, their sure. child or something, and it's in their shirt mm-hmm. pocket, and then they get shot, and it's like yeah. it stopped the bullet. Yeah, it's like it's like the the cop that quits the force, mm-hmm. but then he goes back and still takes his badge, and that's what you know the bullet gets lodged in later or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, well, I guess for the uh, for the sake of the listening audience, I'll give a brief plot synopsis mm. and say that uh, we open on. Uh, little boy Kotaro and his dog uh, Tobimaru and they're on the run and you don't know exactly why and then uh, the kid and the dog are kind of living on their own like scraping by and uh, they get attacked by these uh, like ninja guys and um, there happens to be this random wandering kind of do-gooder soldier who is the nameless samurai and he like protects the kid from these bad guys just because it's the right thing to do. And then Tobimaru, the dog actually saves the life of the soldier or of the, the, the Ronin. Mm-hmm. And, um, in the process gets poisoned by like a poisoned dart. And so then the kid offers to pay the soldier to, uh, a take them to like a veterinarian or whatever. And I forget what apothecary, and yes. like try and get the dog some medicine to save him and be mm-hmm. to escort him to this temple that he's trying to get to. And so it's kind of an uneasy relationship between the nameless samurai and Kotaro, the kid, because they don't know each other or trust each other that well. And the kid's afraid that like the, the samurai is just going to, you know, run off with, uh, and like abandon him. And, uh, then eventually you find out, and like almost it's this isn't like a fantasy movie like Ninja Scroll or Sword for Truth where there's like right. superpowers or anything. There is like this little layer of that feeling because what you find out that they want the kid for is there's this emperor who's like aging and uh, he has heard from someone that there is this thing that they can do. It's prophesized if you get this certain kid and you sacrifice him for his blood, you can make an elixir that will like be, give you a mortal life mm-hmm. or eternal life. And uh, for some reason they've decided that this kid is the one and that's why they're after him. And then basically the nameless samurai decides that he's going to protect the kid and it's yeah. uh, super emotional <laughs> at the end. It, it really is. And it's so well done. Oh. But like they never say for sure that the elixir thing will work. And I get the impression that it won't. And it's just like, you know, um, yeah, an old wives like a, tale kind of thing. And there's sure. like this aging emperor who will believe anything if, if it will potentially like yeah. save his life, almost like oh, Hitler yeah. and all of his crazy, like oh, sci-fi sure. fantasy devices he was building well, in or, world war two. Oh, it's like, you know, idiots that snort Rams, uh, rhino horn. 
you know, <laughs> shit like that now. Yeah, know? or like sleep with crystals in their bed or whatever, like <laughs> yeah. almost that kind of thing. But it's like uh-huh. this emperor is in charge and has the money to pay people, so they erect this giant like shrine thing that they're going to murder this kid yeah. and drain him of his blood at midnight that, on the full that, moon. and That they paint with blood of other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and then it all leads man. to like a giant final fucking battle with all of these. And it, it does have a little bit of that feeling of um, like a ninja scroll with all the mini bosses because the Kiefer Sutherland guys crew, each of them like you specializes with a different kind of weapon and mm-hmm. one by one, you kind of see them take out a bunch of random people and then get killed. And yeah, which I was, I was cool with that. Yeah. You know, just cause I was in, enjoying the thing so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, what a good movie Mills. Yeah. Like you said, the action in this thing is incredible. Um, there are so good. There are like oh. animatics and stuff out there on the internet that you can watch. That especially since you liked it so much, you should definitely check out. But oh, I will. I kind of like held off. Just well, I just watched this. Uh, Dave, no, well, it was a couple days ago. But I kind of like held off on because I wanted to talk about it first mm-hmm. before I started like really digging in. Because I wanted to know like more of your history with it. Yeah, for you to tell me things like that because I will be. <laughs> I'll be buying this movie. Uh, looking up all I can on the internets about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's modern enough. It was only like about 10 years ago that this came out. Mm -hmm. So there's like a fair amount of stuff that you can dig into online. I haven't looked to see if there's like an art book. I would love to have something like that. Oh, um, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, this one, it's just, again, that feeling of like the wandering soldier or the wandering swordsman who just like runs into this kid and like his fate is sealed the day that he runs into this kid and decides yeah. to try and help him. And I mean, it's got, it's, it got, it has plenty of like the kind of cliches you could think of, mm-hmm. but it's just presented in such, such a good way. Yeah. Plenty of it's cliches, so and, but just like the character of the kid and the way he interacts with, uh, oh, yeah. with the nameless Mm-hmm. Uh, swordsman and little things you find out about him and his past and like the thing with his hair uh, and like he dyes his hair because people look at him funny because he's got red hair and he doesn't even know where he's from because yeah he was like orphaned as a kid and he was like the way he tells it is there was like a shipwreck and he was the only survivor so he doesn't know where he's from or like why he mm-hmm. has red hair but he dyes it yeah. so that people won't look at him funny and and it's cool, like, that's all cool, and then it, I like that it's not like in the end, it's not like Kiefer Sutherland is like, oh, I know you, you're a people. It's like it doesn't, there's no big reveal. It's yeah. like he just still remains nameless. I, I almost, because it had been so long since I'd seen it, the fact that they make a big deal about how the Kiefer Sutherland guy, his name is uh, Lo Lang, I think, in the movie. Um, he's blonde with blue eyes, which is very unusual because he's a foreigner. And he doesn't mm-hmm. even speak the same language as everybody else, like in the the land that they're in, because he's from like the Ming Dynasty elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the main character also has a different colored hair. And I was almost I couldn't remember. I was like, oh, is there going to be some weird connection between them? But there's not, which yeah. I like. Um, yeah, big time. And it's just one of those cool things. I feel like we've seen this in other movies and stuff too. But like that main villain is like an incredible swordsman, and he's almost so good that he's just like. More than wanting to achieve his boss's goal, he just wants to find somebody who's worthy of fighting him. Right, right, So at right. the end, it's like, really the day is saved, um, and there's only one bad guy left, and he like just wants to fight to 
to fight to feel alive or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Which that last great, fight though. is incredible with like the wind blowing the snow, oh. and like there's there'll be like a snow cloud that they're fighting in, and you just see the glints mm-hmm. of the swords and everything. And I mean, it it this movie is literally worth it just for the final fight alone. Yeah, it really is. But you get so much good stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. Makes it like so enjoyable. Yeah, the boy and his dog thing you were talking about is very, oh, very present, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a great it's movie. Lots of love, it really is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like we kind of covered most of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only other thing I'll say about this one is, um, they actually submitted this uh, for the best animated feature Oscar in two thousand seven, hmm. or two thousand eight. Uh, I think it was two thousand seven. Um, but I guess it's weird, like, you know, typical, like best actor, best actress, best, best director, there's typically five nominations in those categories. Movies now, it's anywhere from five to 10 movies can be nominated. Animated fi- uh, feature, they only allow three nominations to get through to the oh, final. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just always thought they wasn't enough. No. Uh, there were oh. 15 different movies in like the short running or whatever. Um, that year and, uh, the three that ended up getting the final nominations were Persepolis, Surf's Up and Ratatouille. Hmm. And, you know, not to say that this is better than any of them or more worth it or whatever, but it's like, this is a little different and it's, you know, Persepolis would be the, the standout different one among those, but like Ratatouille is a great movie. Uh, Surf's Up. I haven't seen, but like the movie about the surfing penguins, like... I don't know. It would have been nice to see something like uh, Sword of the Stranger get a nod yeah. over that, I feel. I'd have to agree. But it's nice to hear it was like it, you know, it was that popular. Yeah, they put it up there and it was in the the top 15, but then it got chopped out nice. for the top 3. Nice. I mean, Millsy, I'm not going to make any promises. Uh-huh. But I may someday have a dog named Toby Maru. <laughs> I like it. I like it that much. Oh, I would love that. Mm. Toby Maru. <laughs> the dog is great too because oh, d- it's I don't know what kind of dog it is, but it's like a cute little like kind of puffy. I think like a Shiba, Shiba Inu. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Who that's what I got the impression. Just, you know, looks like a cute little fluffy dog. Yeah. And there's a couple moments where Toby Maru really steps up and like yeah. like attacks people and like oh, that part oh. at the beginning where he jumps up and like grabs the uh the like little dagger out of the air that the dude throws mm, at um, yes yes at uh, nanashi was pretty mm-hmm. sweet it's nice like i like toby Mario's great just personality wise being mm-hmm. dog and everything but the animation and like the character design like there's very few lines to him mm-hmm. in some scenes but they show so much emotion as a dog like, yeah and I never totally into breach it. into the like kind of human characteristics like it always does just feel like a dog for sure but yeah good stuff so good Mm -hmm. just bonding on the road teaching the kid how to ride a horse all day (laughs) yeah i can't can't wait to watch it again that's Mm -hmm. how this movie is yeah and this one um i guess it's worth mentioning that sword for truth and ninja scroll the copies that i watched were both uh dubbed 
and this one was subtitled. I can't remember if right. it was dubbed the first time I saw it or not, but it just so happens the copy that I had access to this time around yeah. was subtitled. I don't know about you, but in live action film, animated film, no matter what, that that has never been an issue for me, and I like watching a dubbed foreign film just as much as I do a, a subtitled yeah, one and vice versa. Same here. Even in this regard, with anime, I kind of... I kind of prefer dub just so I can watch it a little more intently. Mm-hmm. You know, like feel like I'm, so I'm not missing anything while I'm reading. I don't mind subtitle movies at all. Yeah, but like this one, I want to see dubbed so I can really just feast upon the eyes. Yeah, you know, so good. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear how much you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Good call, man. All right. Uh... Time to buy, borrow, and burn some things. Do you want to talk posters? Oh, that's right. We got posters to talk about. I mean, there's a, a far and away clear winner for me. Mm-hmm. Sword for Truth is all all three. You know, show plenty from the actual the actual movie. There's nothing like misleading in any of them. Mm-hmm. Sword for Truth. You kind of got your, you know, main hero. Hero shot with sword. Yep. You got your kind of there. That movie has the random uh, powered villains. Mm-hmm. They're there. Ninja Scroll is a little, a lot more busy. Yeah, but like sure. you said, like showing all the different characters. Yeah, um, which is important. I mean, that's the draw, so yeah. that makes sense. But man, the sword, sword of the stranger. That poster is so good. <laughs> it's simpler. It's simple. It's just the 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 three of them in the middle, like the nice red background, everything, and then man, Toby Maru sitting there with the spear in his mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just love it. It's just, it's so good. It's, I love the art style. You know everything. I mean, I Ninja Scroll looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, they're so Sword for Truth, probably the weakest of the three. I will say it has like an. 80s action or horror movie vibe to it yeah. where the poster sells me on the movie way more than the movie itself does. I mean, Millsy, if you squint at Sword for Truth, mm-hmm. that could easily be a Steven Seagal movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I wanted a live action yeah. adaptation of Sword right. for Truth. But man, I mean, it is. So I do like it for that. <clears throat> oh, man. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, Sword of the Stranger probably... I don't know. It feels like the most, I don't know. The poster almost feels like it has integrity. Yes. <laughs> Whereas like Ninja Scroll is an awesome image with like tons of cool characters, mm-hmm. like well drawn. And it's a very good montage despite how busy it is. It is. It, it is. I mean, it's got plenty of color. It's, it's, it's not quite teetering on the line of too much, but almost. Yeah. But it's just the movie's so good and everything. The the only thing with me is like I see it. Now I see it. I mean, this movie this one came out in 93, you said US in 95. Yep. I mean, few people will get this reference, but you will. I see the Ninja Scroll poster and all I just see is like those oversized button-up shirts that we'll see dudes wearing at Comic-Cons. <laughs> oh, I definitely used to have a bunch of those. <laughs> I had one that was like an a, um, anime character, 
uh-huh. just like generic like fighter yeah. looking dude with like an open uh-huh. shirt and like black hair and like a bandana <laughs> around his head and it was like a blue shirt that faded from dark blue at the top oh, to light blue nice. at the bottom nice never had any clue who it was but i used to wear that uh-huh. thing all the time but uh, god you that. are so spot on with that that's it that's all i can see with ninja scroll <laughs> and then sword of the stranger just feels like a like a hollywood release movie poster a good one yeah yeah, I would say that all around the Sword of the Stranger one probably is the most appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Ninja Scroll one has a lot of nostalgia for me, for sure, for sure. And it, yeah. it looks it looks like ninety five in the best way. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Uh huh. Man, that's such a great uh, uh, such a great call on the uh, the fucking t- the button up t shirts. Uh, used to be able to get that shit at like Hot Topic or whatever. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had a bunch of those kind of shirts for sure. I had a Spider-Man one. Yeah, you did. I love it. Yeah, send me those pics. I got to see it. That was my look, though. Like, as weird as it sounds, in high school was like a leather trench coat that I got for Christmas, Mm -hmm. um, baggy cargo pants, skate shoes, because I did skateboard at the time, and those fucking like full art, like, yeah, button down shirts. Yeah. Man, we'll have to just for this episode on Instagram, we'll just have to post like throwbacks from '95 of the both of us. <laughs> I'm 100 percent down for uh, this. All right, I know nice. I have a picture somewhere of me wearing oh, that fucking you shirt. You, you better don't make me call your mother. <laughs> I just oh, wish I still God. had the shirt. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't fit me anymore, but uh, feverishly uh, Google's <laughs> art shirts. I bet you I could find a picture of it. I, I won't do it now, but I'll, okay. I'll, I'll send you. I'm sure I could find a picture of that shirt in no time flat on the internet. Yes, please. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. Bye, Borrow Burn. Yes. Uh, you want to go first or shall I go? Or? Um, I'll go first. I, I feel like this is going to come at no surprise to anyone that just listened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I already know your order. <laughs> yeah. Burn Sword for Truth. It's just, there's not enough there. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm going to say I'm going to borrow Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll is a classic. Mm-hmm. No no denying it. But man, do I want to buy Sword of the Stranger. <laughs> you literally a, said a little while ago you were going to buy a copy of it. Yeah. Yeah. So no holding back with this one. I can't, you know. Yeah. Some episodes kind of hold it back a little, but this one, I'm just, I'm putting it out there, man. Uh, Ninja Scroll... It is a classic. Like this, even remotely into anime, begs to be seen. Ninjas. I mean, you have to see it. Yeah, it's worth it's worth owning, for sure. Mm-hmm. But man, going forward, I could just see my. I've seen it enough. It's like it doesn't look dated, but I've seen. I mean, you know, it's just been such a part of my life that I can move on to the next thing. Sword <laughs> of the Strangers. It, dude. Mm-hmm. It is so good. Well, I'm right there with you. We're going to match again. Hey, look at that. I'm going to burn Sword for Truth, which is just kind of forgettable. It really does feel like the third wheel in this conversation, like the one that we just kind of threw in because we couldn't find anything else, Uh which is what we did. Um, Yep. Ninja Scroll, awesome action scenes, but really like, you know, Sword for Truth was lacking in like every way. 
Ninja Scroll has amazing action and kind of a inconsequential, confusing story that's basically just there so the action can happen. Sword of the Stranger is the full package where the action is awesome. It's got a really good story and likable characters. And yeah. It just is the full package. It's more of a film. So, like Ninja Scroll almost feels like a, a montage or like an, a, the anime version of like a music video. Like it's a mm. cool thing to watch, but it just doesn't have a lot of substance. Good. Good point. But everyone who's into anime should see Ninja Scroll if they haven't. Yeah. But um, yeah, everybody sure. in all walks of life should watch Sword of the Stranger because it's just a good movie. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mills, I I didn't know, man. I was like, you know, coming in this episode, like I watched Sword for Truth, and I was like, uh, that's the first <laughs> one. But I was still like, I was like, oh god, I was like, fingers crossed. I was like, Sword of the Stranger, please be good, please, please just be better than this. <laughs> and then I watched that, loved it, and I was like, damn, I was like, Millsy has to love this movie. <laughs> like he has to, right? And I was like, you know, going back and forth. You know, of course, watching Ninja Scroll, it's just like, you know, it's like sitting down with a bowl of ice cream again. Like, oh, this is, you know. The old standby. Yeah. It's still so good, but it showed its cracks a little. Mm-hmm. And, but man, I was like, Millsy's got to love Sword of the Stranger, but I'm glad, <laughs> glad to see, you know, we've got a good run of uh, agreeing on things, so. Yeah, three times, so. Yeah. One fifth of the time we've agreed now. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Where. I mean, there's some movie, there's some uh, episodes coming up that uh, I would have been sure we would have gone a lot longer without agreeing, mm-hmm. depending on what we bit, what came up. So, for sure, it's very excited. This was a lot of fun, and people should expect more anime. Yeah, for sure. I'm already trying to think of more uh, anime oh, trios yeah. we can do. Same here. But there may already be one or two other ones in the running. Uh, oh, perhaps. You want to uh, see if we maybe get one of those up next with the random number generator? I certainly do, friendo. All right. uh, Let's see. How many freaking categories or trios do we have now? 194. You're welcome, listener. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's generate that number. Here we go, Millsy. 117. I think this is the highest number we've had yeah, yet. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we broke 100. Oh. <laughs> ah. All right. The theme for the next episode is making of. I feel like I say this a lot, but now for something different. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, yet again hit a very different uh, mm-hmm. theme than anything we've done before. Nice. Making of. Yeah, this one should be interesting. Oh, I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. Awesome. All right. Well, well, we got to get to watching. Yeah. Let's get to it. Uh, right. So I guess for episode 15 of Triple Threat Theater, my name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, happy, happy.